Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about the finale of Little Fires Everywhere, the new HBO movie Bad Education, and the Netflix documentary Circus of Books about a sweet little straight couple from West Hollywood who become power players in the gay porn industry. As always, we're going to start out with the what the hell else are you doing while you're sitting on your butt? We're telling you things to watch. Maybe rate and review us wherever you can think of it. Well, you it, it helps your brain. Creating reviews helps your brain stay active, which is a good thing when you're in quarantine. So rate and review us, would you? I had a few friends actually this week say that they were going to listen and then go rate and review it. And I don't know that that happened, but those people out there, I see you. Yeah, we're looking at you. If you made promises, we're coming for you when this is over. We will still know where you live. True. <laughs> What'd you do in pop culture this week, Justin? Um, well, apparently a bunch of stuff, but I forgot about it all the minute I saw it because it took me quite a long time to remember this list. I don't know if you're having this or if, uh, if no, our listeners are having notes. this. Yeah, like my Rona brain is I cannot remember a single thing i did you know the days go by they're all the same and pop culture sort of keeps me going and yet it apparently just falls right out of my brain immediately but i i dug deep and remembered that i did in fact see a bunch of stuff um i also read some stuff i read um now i'm on necromancer the fourth book in uh the series secrets of the immortal nicholas flamel um i'm apparently enjoying this book enough that i didn't actually realize that i was on the fourth book i somehow thought i was on the third um but you know it's fun it's trash it's not great um but it's certainly moving right along and you know it's just just well written enough to keep me going um i also uh watched this is very much out of character for me sondheim's 90th birthday celebration it was on broadway.com they put it on youtube um i have a bunch of friends in new york uh shout out to mark rebecca and joe who were my uh, watch buddies on facebook messenger it was really fun because we all just sort of sat and chatted and were catty and ridiculous um mark is a good friend of mine who you know, it was uh, one of my first gay friends, honestly, and as part of my indoctrination, gave me a mixtape of some Sondheim songs in 1992. And although I'd done theater, I didn't really know that much about Sondheim. And, you know, I still have my quibbles about Sondheim, but there are a lot of songs that I like, and it sort of has a nostalgic thing. And I went to some of the shows with Mark. And so it was just really nice to kind of see all of that celebrated. Plus, I talked about that show, uh, the the documentary, uh, The Best Worst Thing That Could Ever Happen a week or so ago. And so it was sort of fresh in my brain. Um, so anyways, it was a very sweet uh, tribute. They had a lot of technical difficulties. Most of it was pre-recorded, but they tried to do some live stuff on Zoom, and it was a disaster, including uh, Ralph Sparza basically uh, being on screen and talking, thinking that everyone was hearing him, but was muted, and it went on for like a good two minutes, and then you could see on his face when he realized that he wasn't on, and he just his face just fell, and then he picked up his computer and moved it at some point, and you could like see his phone with furious t- sitting on a coffee table and then the screen just blipped out like it was the most like sad like 
you know, and we all know that I think that your husband looks exactly like Raul Esparza. Yeah. So I yeah. have a special connection. I love Raul Esparza anyway, but I have a special connection to him since I realized that he is actually your your husband in another universe. And so I breaks my heart that something sad happened to him. Oh, he he did rebound. He showed up later in the in the thing and did his spiel. Like for a while, they just were like, "Okay, we're just going to skip him and just go to all the recordings." And then they got him back in. And um, it was also a charity. <laughs> for uh, COVID relief and for artists um, and I donated and we all donated it and it was just a really special um, just really good performances Jake Gyllenhaal does a really good uh, version of Move On from Sunday in the Park with George um, they're just all these kind of very famous uh, theater people that I didn't really recognize and I had to ask everybody who they were and they all laughed at me because I don't know anything about theater um, but I really enjoyed it and they're just a lot of good songs so I'd recommend if you're any kind of musical theater person um you probably know more of these songs than you think um bernadette peters singing uh, no one is alone at the very end um pretty much broke my heart everybody was crying um and then at the end they all got together on that multi-zoom square thing that everybody's doing now and saying um i'm still here which was really sweet also with tons of people um yeah so i, I really enjoyed that I also, um, speaking of I'm Still Here, I watched We're Here on HBO, which is the new um, weekly series that features Bob the Drag Queen, Eureka, and uh, Shangela from RuPaul's Drag Race. And they are doing kind of, you know, go into towns and do these makeovers for people that are, you know, feeling repressed or not living up to their potential. There's always, of course, some sort of sobby backstory about kind of why they're doing it. It's very formulaic, and it got me hard. It just there's a whole storyline about a mother whose daughter comes out as, as queer, and she basically, you know, just abandoned her daughter. I mean, not literally, but sort of mentally, um, just was not accepting. But then over time, came around to it. But her daughter was like living with her dad and was still like furious with her mother. Um, and I was like, oh, this will be an interesting test of the show. Is there going to be some cheesy reconciliation when she sees her mom up on stage in drag, like apologizing literally? Um, and there isn't. The daughter's really pissed off. And, you know, there's more to the story probably. And the mom knows that and even says that, but is just so desperate to like, you know, make up to her daughter and sort of show her that she's supportive. It, it had me crying. Also, I've been crying a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crying in quarantine. Yeah, it's stuff you wouldn't normally cry about. Um, I still find Shangela to be like a wonderful just force of like crazy positive energy. Shangela is really fun on this. Bob the Drag Queen has a great um, kind of uh, this black guy who lives in the town. It's set in Gettysburg, the town they go to, and they sort of bond over just sort of racism in the South and whatever. And he does a whole sort of Civil War inspired sort of drag show thing with Bob, and it's really lovely and amazing. Um, And then Eureka, poor Eureka. I don't know. Eureka's kind of crazy. Anyways. There is that. (laughs) I mean, also seems very sweet and supportive, and his bond with the the woman is very nice. Um, What else? I... (laughs) Last week, I was very, very sad and uh, quarantine despondent about having gone through all of Nailed It. I thought I was out of luck. I Someone then mentioned Nailed It France, and I went, Nailed It France? I didn't realize there were, like, multiple Nailed It. I mean, I guess I could watch Nailed It with subtitles, but, I mean, I'm usually on my computer when I'm watching Nailed It, so I don't think I can read... Su- Wait, what's Nailed It Holiday? 
<laughs> Somehow, you know, I just did not know this was a thing. There are two seasons of Nailed It Holiday. I am parsing these out one a night max um, <laughs> so that I do not burn through them too quickly. I need to I, I need to keep going through this. And uh, Nicole Byer and Jacques Torres saying butter cream are going to do that for me. So <laughs> I'm happy there's more. Um, Midnight Gospel is a new animated show on Netflix from uh, Pendleton Ward, who did Adventure Time. Um, he sort of started the show and then bailed out halfway through. He's a really kooky, weird guy. You can kind of tell that he was behind the weirdest parts of Adventure Time. <laughs> um, he's teamed up with Duncan Trussell. Trussell? Trussell? I forget exactly, but he is a comedian who does a podcast where he interviews all sorts of different kinds of people, including like Anne Lamott and um, Dr. Drew Pinsky, which I was like, Ugh. but um, I don't like that guy. But he basically takes these interviews. They talk about kind of interesting sort of philosophical and, you know, sort of conversations around these, these guest specialties. And then he animates them into this story of this kind of like space traveler who's like travels into these worlds through a giant, um, basically vagina, there's no other way to put it, and um, goes on these crazy adventures while they're being interviewed. And the first one with Dr. Drew is all these kind of zombies in space and people getting killed and run over and smushed while they're talking about sort of like whether weed is an actual sort of, you know, psychotherapeutic drug. Um, it's funny. It is smart. Um, I'm really curious about the kinds of diverse people. I mean, Anne Lamont is in the second episode and that is wild and kind of worth watching. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. It, and the way he he's so good at talking to these people and making connections that that is really what carries the show through. The animation is disgusting. It is the most graphically violent, like smushy, ushy, the second one takes place in some sort of space cow slaughterhouse at, with Anne Lamott and Duncan Trussell as cows that get slaughtered and go through the entire process. Um, the, it's disgusting. I mean, I had trouble watching it, even though I was sort of compelled because the, the, the content, the audio is so fascinating. So it's a weird mix. I appreciate its chutzpah. Um, I also watched Beastie Boys, um, the Beastie Boys story on Apple Plus. I love the Beastie Boys. I was very excited about this. It was based on a, I mean, it was basically they filmed the show they did in um, Brooklyn a few years back. Uh, you know, it's just the two of them, the, the third guy died, MCA, of cancer a few years back. Um, and I did not like this show. I just was like really excited to see it. And it was like, to, it kept making me think of oh hello the uh, the thing with um you know John Mulaney and um, Nick Kroll it was like they were so hammy they'd be like and that's when we made our first album licensed to ill and the audience would burst into applause and it just was very like cheesy like kind of looking back through our career in like the worst possible way I just sort of expected something cooler from them and I wasn't really learning much and they are just not good at that sort of performance it was just very scripted and um yeah i don't know it's not good i'd rather just kind of read about their lives that's a lot for me um should we talk about what we both watched sure okay we watched uh little fires everywhere finale we uh, did we talked that's about the thing this that happened much earlier i don't know whenever this show started we watched a couple episodes and talked about it so go back and listen to it it's based on a uh, celeste ing is that her name Ing, yep. Ing, um, about um, a 
uh, just two different women in this town and their interactions and their solving mystery of uh, yeah, kind of what's happened to this fire in this house and what the backstory of this one woman who visits, you know, comes to the town is and her daughter. Um, what did you think of Little Fires as Little Fires Everywhere as a series? And, and what did you think of the finale? I maintain that this show was much more interesting when it was about the kids. Um, I, I, not so much, I, nothing against the acting of the, the, of any of the leads, even the minor leads, uh, Roseanne, uh, Rosemary DeWitt, everybody is good down to the bones, but the stories that interested me were about the kids. And I think the last time we talked to it, talked about it was right before the one episode that has nothing to do with the kids. That was probably the worst episode there was. Flashback Um, one. What's that? Yeah. The flashback one. one. Yeah. And uh, there was, and you were like, wow, that episode was bad. And I said, yes, because it wasn't about the kids and even the interaction with the adults, with the kids, which became like, they integrated them kind of right after that uh, episode. Uh, everything started to come to light, and the mom started talking more with the with all the, basically, the, with the three daughters, with Pearl and Izzy, and um, uh, why can't I think of her name? They were too common. Elena's other daughter, not Izzy, the older one. Right. Lexi. Lexi, yeah, because yeah. you wouldn't call those kids, come here and, and tell me what your damn name is, right? Sorry. Right. <laughs> um, but overall, I think this was a compulsively watchable show. I think it had some interesting, interesting things to say, punctuated by some truly brilliant scenes. Um, I thought that it was very interesting to see... Um, I really just wanted to call her Olivia Pope and that is not her name. <laughs> um, why can't I think of her name? Scandal. Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington. I'm sorry. Um, all I could see was Olivia Pope in my head. Coronavirus and all that. I've never um, seen scandal. So I had, did not have the problem. Thank God. Yeah. Sorry. But, uh, and I, I thought it was very interesting. I think because Olivia Pope is a character that, the monologues were super important and the speech in Shonda Rhimes things is so punctuated and fast and they say so much so quickly. And it's, she's sort of a, got an Aaron Sorkin way about her that way, you know, just, I say a lot and it's all really important and I say it fast. And I thought it was very interesting to see Carrie Washington do a part that was mostly in her face and in small intonations and, I really liked that that's what she chose to do. And I thought she did it incredibly well. Her um, upper lip acting game is strong. Right. She works that upper lip. She is great. And I loved her interaction toward the end with, with Izzy when Izzy realizes that she's home and that she, you know, she is also has, you know, has had relationships with women and, and Izzy is like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a freak, you know, (laughs) and those are some lovely moments. Um, I thought uh, that Reese Witherspoon did some interesting things and not giving a shit that her character was completely evil. Yeah. And she she just went there. Oh, she's just mad. She, that character just made me mad when she pulls Pearl aside and tells her everything. I, I was done anyway. Yeah. It was compulsively watchable. I hope they don't do a second season. 
I, God, no, yeah. I, I, a limited series should be a limited series, guys. It words mean shit, you know, and you don't need to carry this on. It, I, I thought you did a good job. I thought you said some interesting things. You didn't move the world. You didn't need to. You did fine. What'd you think? You pretty much said it all. Um, I, I think I was a little warmer on it earlier on um because i do still sort of think it it tackled some class issues and in, in a way that i've yep. not seen on a ton of tv and race issues i mean certainly race issues um i thought one thing that was interesting that i read this week was that in the book um carrie washington's character is not black but, oh i didn't I, realize that i was like well what is the book about then right then how um, is it how yeah um so i'm, I'm sort just of, poor glad they at least tackled that yeah you know, they, and i had also read that the uh, apparently it is not ambiguous from the get in the book who set the fire and uh, it's a different person yeah so talking which about, is interesting i don't want to i'm not going to give spoilers here because i think maybe some people right. are still catching up with the show i thought the reveal of that was really stupid and that, well i i didn't think it was i mean i don't i don't know if it was stupid in that or just i had guessed it you know, yeah, I thought it was quite obvious. I and I thought exactly it was super the it was on the nose. Out, but, there was yeah. a scene where somebody else basically takes responsibility. Yeah. And it was super on the nose. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't deal with that. I did like the court scenes with both moms on the scene, on the I stand. That was good. I thought that was yeah. good. Um, Rosemary DeWitt, again, she's been around for a long time for a reason. She is good. And she played that sort of clueless white mom that thinks she's a white savior very well you know and i think or it doesn't an, realize that she's a white savior you know i think it did a nice job of you know all these women being sort of very multi-layered like even in reese witherspoon's monstrousness there were there were moments where at least she sold somewhat of sort of like what was going on through her head even if it was horribly diluted um yeah yeah, and I, I think, think one of my favorite of scenes with her was in actually in the flashback episode, and it belongs to the guy when he was like, "No, you're a monster," right, right, <laughs> and just calls her out for, "Good Lord, what is the matter with you?" You yeah. know, and do you not see who you are and what you're doing? And oh my God, get the fuck away from me and don't ever touch me again. Yeah, his obvious disdain and disgust with himself for yeah. being attracted to her was well played yeah definitely yeah, yeah. so worth a watch certainly you got nothing yeah, else no, to do no. it's uh, better than most stuff i've seen yeah. lately <laughs> I, it certainly wasn't bad yeah i just don't yeah know. and those kids i think are all really yeah. really good all really good and they they handled their stories well i i liked so much of what they were doing and 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 i really liked the interaction with carrie washington with all of the other kids too and and yeah. it was quite obvious that that character and that she understood how that character would connect to all of these broken children to all of these lost boys you know right and i liked that yeah definitely uh rupaul this week uh we thought we'd give a special shout out because i think well neither of us have been really super fans of this season i don't least i'll say i haven't um, it's fine it's certainly got a bit of a boost this week because our favorite rachel bloom uh was one of the guest judges and also with her weirdly, super pregnancy boobs yes she had dave actually said that almost immediately her boobs are huge and i was like i think it's a pregnancy i don't know it was um, and <laughs> she just, just hadn't told anybody yet Jeff Goldblum was the other guest. And my first thought was, 
is this his first time guesting? Like, I sort of remembered him being on before, but then the more I watched it, no, there's no way. Like, that was very much his first time as a, as a judge. Um, so Rachel Bloom um, is obviously just, we love her, and she seems so generous and fun and up for it and sassy and just everything you want from her. And you can tell that Rue loves her and she loves yeah. Rue. Um, Goldblum? Wow. Uh, he's a weird dude guest judge in history kind of lived up to everything you'd imagine sort of playing along but in a slightly uncomfortable weird way um, including this is spoiler sorry crying at the final lip sync battle um, supposedly sincerely I don't know like it was so strange it's hard to imagine that it was sincere but it's also hard to imagine it being faked so well, I don't know it looked I mean it looked I don't know, I because it grew strangely. Like, because when they first showed it, I was like, "Is he crying?" <laughs> and the next thing I know, he's like reaching for tissues, and tears are streaming down his face. And I was like, "All right, Goldblum, I still don't like you, yeah. but I feel you." <laughs> and there's occasionally through it a weird sense of like, "You're gonna pick one of these guys up after the show, aren't you?" <laughs> like. Which is fun, and you know. <laughs> it was a strangely, not even strangely, it was an incredibly moving performance that you almost that I like it, it happened quickly. It was something in the wave of the costume yeah. that suddenly just it surged in me and I felt like I was tearing up. And then so when they showed Jeff and but I was like, I'm tearing up because of the way she's moving her costume. Right. How is she portraying what she's trying to say just by the way she's waving her arms? Yeah. But she did. And so then when they showed Goldblum, I was like, no, that's I get it because that was the, the same surge that I had. And if you right. were sitting in the room with it, I it's bet it was way powerful. more powerful. Yeah. So. The, the content itself, the challenge of the week, I was bored through literally like 80% of it. Right. And then that ending, whatever, 10 minutes was really fun. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm glad that Rue wants is making this big season thing about voting. I got it. Yes, please tell more people to vote. I am on top of it. But it is rather tiresome in in yeah challenging politicians like right after the snatch game you're just sort of like uh this is not this is just not the best lane for this show <laughs> it doesn't really make for good television i think um but whatever i'll keep watching obviously what else i gotta do that's um, right what else you gotta do <laughs> all right pop culture what did you do are you ready for my big ass list? Yeah, I mean, what else we got to do? Okay, than... on Amazon, I watched the Jinx Monsoon documentary. I know that you had already watched it, so we kind of already talked about it. Wow, you guys, check this out. I, I love Jinx Monsoon anyway. Jinx Monsoon kind of reminds me of my son. I love him, but it this is a really sweet documentary that... This is so many of the Portland kids that I know from, like, that that hang out with my nephew I've got a 25 year old nephew in Portland and I know these kids and it was so neat to see him in this documentary and how absolutely talented he is and how much his strange little Portland family means to him both his logical and biological family I thought this was a really good documentary I really enjoyed it and continue to feel good things about Jinx Monsoon uh, I watched uh, the the first, I think, three episodes of the second season of Castle Rock on Hulu because I've heard that it is good. It is the origin story of Annie Wilkes. Also, she has a daughter, a 
apparently, um, but played by the kid from eighth grade who's great also has Paul oh, Sparks nice. in it. We love Paul Sparks. Tim Robbins shows up. So, and I like Lily Kaplan. I think she's a good actor. So I watched the first three episodes. I will probably watch more. It's fine. People die in violent ways. It's not for Justin. Don't watch it. So what are they, uh, what story are they riffing on in this one? It Annie is uh, the Misery. Annie Wilkes from Misery. It's her okay. origin story. Okay. Got it. And it brings in, uh, Salem's Lot and Drew, you know, the town of Jerusalem, Jerusalem's Lot from Salem's Lot. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So vampires and stuff. Yeah, but it hasn't okay. come come up there yet. Okay. I watched Galaxy Quest, which you got to buy right now, but it's five bucks on Amazon. It's worth it. This is one of the most perfect movies in the world, you guys. Just watch it. And then afterwards, go on Amazon Prime and watch Never Surrender, which is the documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest. And I know I am fine in saying that it is a perfect film because David Mamet, (coughs) yeah, misogynist, (laughs) has listed five perfect films. And he says they are The Godfather, A Place in the Sun, Doddsworth, and Galaxy Quest. Sorry, four perfect films. I don't know what Doddsworth is. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know I had to look either. it up. It's some film from the 30s. Dave probably knows and will hate us both that we don't know. But I've seen the other two. Okay. And I agree with him. Galaxy Quest is on that list. Um, I will watch that documentary at least. It's such a good documentary. And Tim Allen and Alan Rickman, apparently Rickman was very, you know, actory and and... Alan was just, you know, making fart jokes and balls jokes. And, and I guess Rickman made it like this thing. He, I will not laugh at him. <laughs> so Alan tried to make him laugh the whole time. And uh, Enrique Colantani, why can I never say his name? Uh, Enrico, who plays the, the head Thermian. He said, I loved Alan Rickman. He was the first movie star that ever wanted to be my friend. <laughs> and uh, they talked about this scene there's a scene not i mean whatever it's a 20 year old movie you guys but there's a scene where tim allen has to admit something that makes somebody else sad and i guess afterwards the director said that he when he was doing the acting even still steven spielberg was on set that day and he was super impressed and uh allen said i have to go to my trailer i'm having feelings and after he had departed and i don't like them and after he had departed rickman said he experienced acting. (laughs) And I had forgotten that they had uh, planned an Amazon series and they'd all signed up for it in like 20, like the end of 2015. And then Rickman died in 2016. So they didn't do it. Uh, It was an incredibly good documentary. It was very, very touching and and a lot of you know there was a lot of crying over Rickman who is my birthday buddy my birthday twin um it was it's check it out guys it's right now this is a movie worth sitting and watching it's I had forgotten that it was one of the it uses nerds in a way that we don't get to use them anymore because and probably because of Galaxy Quest and movies like them this first meta-ness of nerds becoming important and uh we like we 
not suspecting that like we are in the you know the the year of the nerd the the, the time of the nerd it would be like oh go to the nerd instead of don't listen to that guy and it has that whole component of justin long and all of his friends real you know being nerdy and being home and being able to help and we we can't have that anymore and that's good because we've started realizing that smart people aren't necessarily just for being beat up you know (laughs) and that people that love other things aren't necessarily the outcasts but it was one of the movies that that brought that in this these people who go to these conventions maybe they're not you know just freaks and anyway it is super worth watching Really, really enjoyed it. Um, made us decide that we need to watch. Uh, we we were like taking one actor by accident and following them from movies at that point. So we went to uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, which is uh, on Disney Plus right now. If you have it, um, and uh, Daryl Chill Mitchell is in both movies. There's your connection. Also, mm. Allison Janney is in Ten Things I Hate About You. I don't know if you have watched it yet, Justin. But nope, that's one reason that I need have- to. Disney Plus and yeah. Allison Janney is hilarious. And this is, I miss Heath Ledger so bad, you guys. And it is just such a good, charming movie. It doesn't treat, it does not treat teenagers like morons. It is well written. It is a wonderful retelling of The Taming of the Shrew. It's funny, it's smart, it knows what it is. Heath Ledger. I think I miss Heath Ledger more than I miss River Phoenix, which is saying a lot. He was so smart. He was so charming and beautiful and talented that he could have just rode the coattails of this. And instead he picked the smart romantic comedy and then he did a teenage romantic comedy. And then he didn't do another one for like, he, he just, Okay, and he, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use my popularity. I'm going to wait. He did The Patriot. He did Brokeback Mountain. He just was so smart and so talented. And I, I really miss him. <laughs> and I wish that he had gotten to have the career that he was supposed to have. And 10 Things I Hate About You was his first American property. And it's really good, you guys. Uh, not so great defending Jacob on Apple+. Plus. I'm sorry, Chris Evans. I'm sorry, Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey. Your accent's not great. It's not terrible. Sorry, kid from It. This is like little fires everywhere light. It's just uh, based on a novel about did this kid kill his uh, classmate or not. Uh, Chris Evans plays his father, who is also the prosecutor and, you know, small town turns upside down. Was he bullied? I'm going to watch it because I want to know what happens and I'm not just going to go look at spoilers because it's, if we weren't in quarantine, I might just go look at spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) But instead I'll watch the rest of it. Three episodes of this have dropped. So if they tried to turn uh, Chris Evans into like, regular dad is it like one of those shows yeah Yeah. he's you know i mean he and michelle dockery are beautiful parents that have you know she's a teacher he's a prosecutor their kid may or may not have killed this older kid who may or may not have been bullying him it's you know it's a it's a john grisham novel basically it's not but it's that same type of thing of just it's fine it's perfectly watchable it's well produced why did they bother to do this? I do not know. 
It seems to be watched, most of Apple for me. So far, yeah, Apple I Plus. watched uh, the animated Robin Hood on Disney. This is a fine movie. It is apparently about horny foxes. I had forgotten. That's all now, I have to say. Did, did Parker have memories of the horny fox? He'd never seen it. Okay. So we watched it. It was fine. It was about horny foxes. Foxes that just <laughs> want to have sex and should be allowed to have sex. They were both very attractive. They got to have sex in the end. It was good for them. We're happy for you foxes. Uh, we watched 100 Humans on Netflix, which is basically a sociological <laughs> experiment where they like do men or women take longer to get ready? Um, are you as bigoted as you think you're not type things? They have oh. 100 people. They put them all in a like a dorm, basically, and then they pull them out and run experiments on them. It's lighthearted. We actually had a fun time trying to predict what they what would happen and see how we, how it made us feel about what we consider what we think our preconceived notions are. It's fun. It's on Netflix. I'm gonna watch like that. seven that episodes. Yeah, it's interesting. It's super easy to just have on and and be friends with. Um, Again, super easy to have on and be friends with. I watched fr- two episodes of Friday Night with the Morgans, with the, which is Jeffrey Dean Morgan and his wife, Hillary Burton Martin, on their farm. I think they live somewhere near Vermont. Could be in the West. I don't know. They live somewhere. They got a bunch of donkeys and emu um, and two cute kids. And they have all their friends call in on Zoom. And most of them are actors. And then they have one person from their small little town call in. The first uh, week, it was a doctor. The second week, it was Ed, who they called the farm guru. And Ed, the far- farm guru, is my new hero. <laughs> He's grumpy. He doesn't cook. He likes whiskey. And he was hilarious. Uh, so is this our- just like a made in quarantine show or was it? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan put some stuff up in his garage. You can tell it's plywood and he and his wife sit there and they talk to people from the walking dead and one person from their town or, or the first episode was uh, the, one of the brothers from supernatural and his wife. It's actually very comforting. It's, it's literally watching somebody else's zoom call, (laughs) but it was sweet and they're it's well-meaning and I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and all of his animals. I like that Jeffrey Dean, Nor- Dean Morgan named his daughter, George and his son, Gus after Gus from uh, the Larry McMurtry novel that I will get to lonesome dove. Ah. Augustus McCall is one of the best characters ever to be written. It so Friday like night with the Morgans. It's gotta Cal be better watched. than the Tiger King final episode. Yeah. yeah, uh, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Which I don't we think also, we talked about, but we'll skip it. <laughs> we watched girls just want to have fun today. Yes, I did. Wow. This is an underrated film. Watch it. You too can see two seconds of Robert Downey Jr. I'm not telling you where you find it. <laughs> Who's in that? Was this? Um... Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen right. Hunt. Okay. And, and Lee Montgomery, up. who retired from acting shortly after this film was made. And it's fun? Oh, it's always fun. It's I watch it all the time. It's one of those that's it's like my cut, it's like cutting edge, and girls just want to have fun. Anyway, we watched it. I watched the first episode of Penny Dreadful, uh, City of Angels, which is the spin-off from Penny Dreadful, which I never got into on Showtime. Natalie Dormer and Nathan Lane. And, what? Uh-huh, that's what I said. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> that's some strange combo. Yeah, they don't work together. Okay. Um, there's only one episode. It grabbed me more than 
Penny Dreadful ever did. Okay. It's set in 1938 in Los Angeles. Uh, there are some nods to San, 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 Santa Rita. What is the, that, the religion? Oh, right, right. Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, if, and yeah. Uh, also nods to the Black Dahlia, which it's way too early for that, but okay, sure, go for <laughs> it, because Black Dahlia was 1947, I'm just saying. Um, lots of Nazi, American Nazi uprising. I spotted Ethan Peck. I always enjoy Ethan Peck because Gregory Peck was Ethan Peck's grandfather. Grandfather, So I feel like I need to support him because, as you know, I have a deep personal connection with Gregory Peck, even though he didn't know it. Um, <laughs> that's what I did in pop culture this week. I have several things upcoming for all of you in quarantine thinking, what am I going to watch? Please help us. May 4th on AMC, the remakes of Creepshow. And I don't even, I think they're just reboots of Creepshow. I do not think they're remakes of the original show. This looks like it'll be fine, maybe kind of dumb, but at least something to kind of be enjoyable. And that starts May 4th. May 8th, I know Justin said he wasn't watching a second season of it, but I am. Uh, Dead quarantine. To back I on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I could handle it, I think. Also for Justin on May 22nd, uh, there will be some Nanjiani on nice. Netflix. The Lovebirds is going to drop, which is the romantic com comedy with Issa Rae and Camille Nanjiani, which got shoved immediately to Netflix because of Corona. So if you wanted to watch it, now you can. Second season of Homecoming is coming to Amazon on May 22nd. Uh, brand new mystery. So this isn't going to be the Julia Roberts story continuing. Instead, it's a new mystery. Our main uh, actor is Janelle Monet. I think this will be good. Hannah Gadsby drops her new special on Netflix on May 26th. Is it a stand-up? Uh, it is, yes. Nice. So Excellent. she can come crush all our hearts uh, on May 26th. We will certainly be talking about most of this, probably oh, all yes. of it. So but if you guys want to get ahead and put it on your calendar, do it. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to get into our main topics. First one is uh, HBO's new prestige movie that everybody's talking about, which is uh, Bad Education. This is Corey Finley's follow-up to his movie, Thoroughbreds. If you which go back talked like about, yeah. a year and a half, you can find it on our uh, uh, podcast, that, which it was Anton Yelchin's last film. We did like it very much. Uh, this is this new one, Bad Education, is a docudrama about a school embezzlement scandal in on Long Island, I believe. And it stars Allison Janney, Hugh Jackman, and Ray Romano, amongst many others. What do you think, Justin? Okay. Amongst those three that you just mentioned, we're going to play some quick accent cop. What? Um, I'm going to just give you my sort of gut reactions, and uh -huh. you're going to tell me yay or nay. Okay. Um, Ray Romano, pretty good. He's from New York, so yeah. whatever. Like Long Island, like I don't know if he's from Long Island or Queens, but it, it was close enough. You didn't really notice. Uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, don't know what he was doing. The only thing that I could ever hear him trying to do an accent on was Chad. He tried to do like a Chad whenever he said that name in a Long Island way. Otherwise, he, he was like definitely wasn't Eric. Doing a slight twist on his regular accent, it was not good. Um, right? Am I correct? No, he was terrible. He sounded okay. full-on freaking Aussie. <laughs> and Allison Janney, who I love, and I'll say lovely things about in a second here, was so over the top with her accent. It was, over the top. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> no, 
I love her. Um, so then that's a good segue into just other than that, the acting, everybody and their mothers in this thing. Um, Steven Spinella, um, God, who else? I'm like saying everybody, but it's a lot of people you recognize, but you're like, who are they from? Uh, we just had a conversation before we started recording about a woman who played one of the guards on um, Orange is the New Black, all really good actors and build up this story about um, just crazy people doing stupid things um it's a little fluffy it's a little light i don't know that i have like a ton to say like i think it was a little too invested in hugh jackman's um kind of story there's a whole subplot about his sort of closeted gay life um and his you know duplicitness everywhere that i just was kind of like not all that interested in um but it's a fun watch I, I can sort of see why it's on hbo and not you know a theater release back when we had theater releases but i think this was something that was always planned for hbo right no it was yeah um but you know these it, it does tie into obviously all the school embezzlement stuff it's very well made it flies by uh very quickly elsa oh, jenny yeah. is just always fun i just like watching her and i'm also i maybe have been talking about this i love ray romano i'm just like yeah i want to know when he became talented he's so good in everything he's in (laughs) it's so confusing yeah it it first it confuses the hell out of me and frustrates (laughs) me a little totally um what else did you think i I don't have a ton to say i enjoy it um i gotta tell you this this movie gave me so much stress knowing how the sausage is made behind the scenes in budgets and all of that conversation about budgets and how they, and I, I was unfucking comfortable. (laughs) I felt guilty from the get for no reason, but I was like, no, no. (laughs) Just for knowing what was happening. I, it, so I think that added to my enjoyment of the early part of this film or my general good feelings about the way they were portraying it because it was super realistic um, and my respect for it. Not, not so much my enjoyment because my ass was clenched and I wanted to throw up, <laughs> but my respect for it knowing what it was doing um, and that it was telling the truth about these environments. Other than that, yeah, it clipped by. Everybody's good. These are all talented actors this director i like the way that he shows crime just super kind of straightforward i think he did the same thing in thoroughbreds of just these are these people and here's the story i'm not gonna make too many judgments yeah. he makes you know a few but in general he just kind of says this is what happens and i kind of respect that Other yeah he's that, got a good way of skewering the like you know elite class without yeah. really kind of just completely going into characters that, like gross characterizations right which i admire yeah other than that you know this is a solid b movie yeah it's b grade not like b movie you'll enjoy it you won't be sorry you watched it i don't know that i'll ever watch it again or necessarily say oh did you see blah 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 except to people who i also know that it'll make their ass clench and they'll want to throw up <laughs> my, my happy hour on friday i will recommend it to all the administrators and then we'll be done Nice. That's my feelings. Yeah. Cool. Um, Circus of Books is a Netflix documentary about a Jewish straight couple whose gay porn store called Circus of Books uh, became a fixture of West Hollywood in the 1980s. And 
then went into a decline as all of the uh, sort of DVD stores did. Uh, the story follows their rise and especially uh, the wife's struggles with reconciling her faith with her business um, and also some, some personal family struggles that end up hitting a little close to home. Um, if I can say that without, I mean, are we doing spoilers? It's a documentary. Her son's gay. <laughs> um, what did you think of Circus of Books? Well, I knew one of us was going to jail, Barry, and I figured it better be you. <laughs> this couple. Oh, my God. Now, the daughter is the one that's telling the story. So she films them in such a way that you can tell that she has affection for them, but also knows them so well that the way that she portrays them is wonderful because they are so strange and quirky and different. And I adored this film from the first moment it started. Um, I, I kind of had seen an ad for it and thought, well, I'll, I'll look at this. Why not? And it, it grabbed us from the beginning. And I, I really, really liked it. I was surprisingly touched by the parents' journey. I liked the way the daughter talked to all the children, and I thought it was honest about who all of these people were. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I mean, aside from the the funny moments with the with the mom, that I don't want to spoil all of them. Um, I thought it went some really interesting places about reconciling uh, tr- like deep religious faith. And then when it contradicts what you're, what you're having at home with the people that you love, when it contradicts having to support yourself and do you give it up? Do you figure out how to make it all fit? I, I thought it came up with some really interesting questions and maybe not all the answers and that that was okay. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of said most of my feelings. I really, I mean, circling back to we're here, I think it uh, does a really nice job of, you know, we all talk about allyship and sort of being good allies or whatever. And I like these things that are coming out now that are showing how hard that can be. And it's not necessarily like a, sorry, straight line. Sorry for the bad choice of words, but um, it, really does feel like earned allyship or sort of accumulated allyship right? Um, in a way that, yeah, it's complex and it's interesting. And, you know, the mother is so fascinating in this because you really just, you see her, you know, out on the like gay porn kind of sex toy circuit expo stocking her store. I want those, but I, I can't look at them. <laughs> it's so, there's so <laughs> many hilarious, it's got the perfect balance of like being very funny and sort of laughing at her uncomfortableness, but having also sort of, you know, respect for who she is. Right, and, absolutely. And then, yeah, sort of just struggling with, you know, her, her son coming out and just sort of, you know, you can tell it really pushed her, but it didn't, it didn't come up with some magical fake moment of like, oh, then the switch flipped and I became, you know, a P-flag person. It was really like about and what all I those really, little things change over time. For, and for her, I loved her absolute regret that she couldn't change the moment and how that kind of drove her to be, almost become a P-flag zealot, right. that she couldn't go back and change the moment that she didn't react well to what he was saying to her. Yeah. 
and that she wanted to change that story so bad that she had to tell it, you know, and, and she didn't want to tell it over and over, but that she wanted to make sure that maybe other parents didn't do that or, and I thought that was fascinating, you know? And I, you know, I saw some of my parents in this, Um, you know, my parents are supportive in many ways and have been very, very supportive and love my husband and, but I think it's been a little bit of a slow journey. And when I came out to my mom, she, you know, pulled off the side of the road and basically cried and, you know, that she was never going to have grandchildren. (laughs) It's like, really, that's what you're upset about. I mean, I told you to be honest, but really like that honest. Um, And also, (laughs) mm, yeah, there's some, I get it. That's like being, it's that automatic reaction of saying it's okay to be angry at somebody that commits suicide. Right. Right. It's that one thing that everybody tells you it's okay to say, Oh, I'm sad that your life will be hard. I'm sad that I won't have grandchildren. I'm sad that, you know, yeah. And she's basically, and my dad are good, accepting, supportive, lovely people. And this show, this documentary, I think captures real kind of parents sort of. No, totally. Um, and, and who are generally good, who are, you know, but also just who they are. And I think those stories are really important to tell because it just I, is. Yeah. It has to, you know, it can show. It, it has to be okay to have an honest, honest reaction that then you rectify, totally. you know, and it, yep. and it, I thought it was interesting to show that she regretted so strongly her honest reaction and that the son was like, it's cool. We're good. <laughs> right. <know>? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop being so extra. You know? <laughs> also for, for our gay listeners out there, Jeff Stryker is in this <laughs> oh <my laughs> talking God, about how wonderful these people move. are. Um, no, he's weird, but I, he, he loves them clearly. And him so fawning sweet. over this couple is the, kind of the cutest thing ever. I never thought I'd say that about Jeff Stryker. No, it was adorable. He was so like <laughs> mellow. And I mean, his face does not move people like <laughs> literally, like I think he may have actually put on a face before he went to talk to them. It was Buffalo amazing. Style. Yeah. But Oh, he had so much affection for them. It was so yeah. sweet. It's adorable. I mean, they even end up like producing porn, sort of. They oh, yeah. No, I absolutely. want to know more about that. I feel like they glossed over that a little bit. Maybe they'll say Yeah, they did. The they really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but totally worth watching. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. If you have thoughts on any of this, we covered a lot for a week that we could barely remember, or at least I couldn't. Um, talk to us on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, what do you mean we, white man? <laughs> talk to us on Facebook at the next podcast. You can email us at motionandnicks at gmail. Uh, talk to Fanny at the next podcast on Twitter or at her own Twitter at Fanny at B. Darling. Fanny B. Darling. <laughs> um, I'm still not on Twitter. You can tweet things at me and I probably won't see them. He will um, not care. <laughs> uh, all right. We will see you next week with uh, some fresh thoughts on something life. All right. Good night. Okay, we did it. That was long. Yeah, we had a lot to say. We did. It was good, though.